right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rise Network's exclusive Detroit sports podcast. It is episode number 52 of the Motor City Sound. Follow us on Twitter at guysbeingdude15, which will be changed soon, by the way, on Instagram at mcsound22. And then follow Rise Network. All the Rise socials are at Rise Network US and find our website at risenetworkus.com. And joining me today, once again, the resident Lions expert of of Rise Network, Mr. Alex Ristic. Thanks for having me on. I like these intros, man. Resident would you call me a resident the Lions? resident Lions expert? Like break, that, li- break that down for me, like I'm resident, twelve. Like you're twelve? Yeah. All right, I'll write it down for you. Like everyone's got your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Friendly neighborhood resident Lions expert. That is sick. Official yeah. title. That literally is going on my resume. Yeah. Yes. Resume 100%. Yeah, it's a resume. <laughs> two, spirit, two appearances on the Motor City Sound podcast. Yeah, and <laughs> and the last one, I feel like um, there was a good lure around it. A lot of people. Uh, nobody shit talked me for what I said. So okay, I mean that, that's a start. That, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like an, it's like being an umpire. You know, when, when nobody sh- talks shit about you for the game that you had, it usually means you, you called a pretty oh, good game. Oh yeah, like the the fact that everyone, like even non baseball fans, know who Angel Hernandez is. Yeah, not a good thing. Not a good thing. You're you're a pretty shitty umpire. I only had a few people like text me and go, "Hey, that was a really like shitty take." Like, <laughs> Uh, the rest of them was like, yeah, I think you did a pretty good job. All right. I agree with what you said. So I would like to go back and see what I hit on and what I didn't hit on, considering we're talking about the draft today. But yeah. So with, you know, of course, Alex just said it right there. Going to be recapping the Lions draft all the way from pick two to, <laughs> dude, to dude, pick 217. Dude. So today, of course, we're going to be breaking down the Lions draft. Uh, they got very, very good reviews. I, you literally just showed me right before we started the pod. What was that? Pro Football Focus? Yep. Pro Football Focus gave them, gave them, oh my goodness, gave them an A plus. Um, I mean, just about every other major media outlet. I didn't. I think the worst grade I saw, I believe it was CBS Sports, and I think they gave them a B minus. So just about every major media outlet is approving of this Lions draft. And today we're going to discuss how two diehard Lions fans feel about this draft. So let's go ahead and start. Start at the top. Start at number two. I feel like there's not a whole lot to discuss here. You know, it's kind of been a Hutch and Tibbs conversation. You know, maybe Sauce Gardner sneaked in there a little bit. Um, you know, Kyle Hamilton was in there a little bit. But for the most part, it was Hutcher Tibbs at two the whole way. Um, pick was in really, really quick. Did you notice that? Yeah, it as was soon as as soon as uh, uh, Trayvon Walker went number one, that pick was in. Yeah, I saw a little article um, that the NFL was actually upset with the Lions. I about, heard that too. Uh, yeah, how yep. quickly they turned in their card, which is like the most Lions thing to do, right? Is oh yeah, we're not going to take any time. We got our guy. Um, so, uh, but on the contrary, I think that's a really good thing. Uh, I, it really makes me feel comfortable about the pick when you get the guys who are in charge of making these decisions. If they're that stoked about a pick, they're rushing that quickly to get it in. You know that they got the guy that they want. Oh yeah. He was, he had to be number one on their board. There was he, no hesitation. He 100% was their one number one on their board. And I think when they went Trayvon Walker, I think they were like, no shit. They actually did it. Dude, I could. All right. Well. I honestly, I feel like I could do a whole podcast just on why is that guy a number one pick? I really? Mean, you don't, you don't like him? It's not that I don't like him. Like I see the potential, but like, I'm just not all for like the way I see it is like, if he was so great on that Georgia defense, why did he only have nine sacks in three years? In my opinion, it's because how good you just said it, how good that Georgia defense was. So, I mean, there's one one person carrying the ball, right? One quarterback to sack, and you got N'Kobe Dean, you got Wyatt, you got um, Quay, Quay Walker, Trayvon Seen. Walker, Jordan Davis, um, yeah, Lewisine. Uh, I feel like, like real quick, I feel like you know that uh, that LSU championship team that yeah. had like. 12 guys drafted and and just about every one of them is a good like not a household name but everyone's like oh yeah um Clyde Edwards Alaire running back for the Chiefs yeah right. like everyone knows him right. I feel like that like that Georgia defense is going to be like 5 years down the line they are all going to be everyday NFL players What do they have five five first round picks I think so yeah yeah five first rounders and what three second rounders I mean that's unbelievable that, yeah that's so crazy that, that has to be I think I'm pretty sure they broke a record for most players drafted on a team They did yeah which is incredible because yeah. I know we all know that LSU national championship team had a bunch oh my including God. offensive line which so stacked. which there was lack of from Georgia this year, which is actually um, a surprise to me, mm-hmm. just considering you'd like to assume that Georgia would have produced at least 
on a national championship team, at least three big farm boys that are coming out, you know, out of the offensive line talent. But I mean, dude, it was strictly defense. I don't and think a they had much yeah. offense taken at all. Yeah, I think it might have been just, just George Pickens and, and Pickens. Cook. Yeah, Pickens and Cook, the yeah, running back. I and think that's that it. might be it, which is two skill positions. So, I mean, that says a lot, too, about how good that defense was, which then goes back to our original point and you asking originally, why do you think he only had nine sacks? That's my point in general is that there's a lot of pe- a lot of good talent coming after that football every snap. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds it's going to be him? You know what I'm saying? Like – well, then you would go, well, if he's number one overall, how is it not going to be him every right, time? Exactly. Then what's I like, just, I my, think my thing is like, way. if it's, if that Georgia defense is so good, then why didn't Jordan Davis or, or, you know, see, I mean, that'd be kind of ridiculous to take a corner number one overall at Detroit lions. But, uh, I know it was third, <laughs> but like if we're, if we're using that argument and I know I literally said I could do a whole pot about this and we've been talking about this for like three minutes now, yeah. but Hey, let's keep going with it. Cause it's a good conversation. If we're going to use that argument, then why not, why not someone take Jordan Davis at number one? Because I don't think Jordan Who is Davis argu- has arguably a more impactful player on that Georgia defense. It is arguably. That's the thing. It is arguable because I don't think Jordan Davis has a sauce like Trayvon Walker does. And, I, and we talked about this in the last pod. You know, last time I was on, I told you about, you know, he, he is a freak. He's crafted by the hand of God himself. But is it sustainable? Nah, probably not. Is he productive? No, nah, well, yeah, he's productive for two downs, and then he comes off on third down. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into Jordan Davis that isn't as enticing as a Trayvon Walker. And the thing about Walker is his ceiling, in my opinion, is so much higher than next person, like higher than Hutch by far, higher than Tibbs by far, uh, higher than name, name the guy. If anyone is going to be a Hall of Famer in this class – I think it can be Walker, but I also think he might have the slowest start out of all these guys. True. So there's definitely a learning curve for him. Now, is the Jags the right place to do that? <laughs> we'll see. History is going to tell you no. The history will tell you no, and I also don't understand why they may be searching for a project, right, for, for coming off of what you just did with Urban Meyer last year, and you want something that will impact you immediately. But on that same token, I think they picked up a lot of guys in this draft that will help them impact. It will impact them immediately, starting with Devin Lloyd later in the first round. Oh God, I loved that. Pick, He's awesome, man. man. I loved that. I was pick. really hoping that's who the Lions were trading up for initially, right? So I, I wanted Devin Lloyd real bad. So final final thoughts on on Hutcher Hutcher Tibbs. Were you one? Were you shocked to see it was Hutchinson? Which I would be very surprised if you were. But like, how how do you feel about it? Because I was I kind of came to the conclusion where I was like. I feel like I'm splitting hairs between the two. They're both really, really good players. I think they're both going to be very good NFL players, multiple time pro bowlers for the both of them. I'm like, hey, if it's Tibbs, cool. I think he maybe has a little bit higher of a ceiling than Hutchinson. But if it is Hutchinson, then cool. One, I get to fanboy out because we know I'm a huge U of M guy. You know, I'm a huge Lions guy. Obviously, Hutch went to U of M and they, they took him and he's a hometown guy in general. And two, I don't have to feel bad about about uh, weirding out about it because because he's a really good football player. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, um, you asked if I was surprised. I had zero doubt in my mind that if he was on the board at two, that's who they were going to take. Even before they turned their card in, which, as we talked about earlier, wasn't that long. I said there's a zero percent chance that this isn't Aiden Hutchinson. With that being said, do I think it was the right pick over Thibodeau? Um, I don't want to sit here and make a claim as such. I don't know that it's the right pick, and that's the thing. I don't think anybody does. To your point, I think they're both going to be really, really good in this league. Now, I don't know if either one of them will be great, but to me, I see kind of like a um, a Batman and Joker thing going on, um, a oh, Kobe yeah. LeBron thing going on. Oh, I think yeah. they're going to be mortal enemies their entire career. Like it's going to be like, and this week Aiden Hutchinson takes the takes the uh, league leading uh, sack total for the year, right? And right uh, behind him is right, right behind him is Thibodeau, and then the next week Tibbs Tibbs gets three sacks and Hutch only gets two, and now Tibbs back in the lead. And it's like I think they're going to go back and forth throughout their whole career, regardless for playing for two. Uh, piss poor franchises as of right now. The Giants are historically yeah. historically better, but um, right now they're both shit. Dave so. Gettleman really just running that thing. Well, 
Now he's gone, and you see what happens. They have a really good draft, in they my did. opinion. I loved their draft. I did. They, I really liked it. They picked it. up two guys who, at one point throughout last year, were both projected to be first overall picks, yep. right? So that's huge for them and good for them. Tip my hat to them. But, yeah, I think Hutch will be a really good player. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's ideally what you want out of a first or second overall pick is, like, I, I want to see a Hall of Famer out of this guy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll Lawrence see. Taylor. We'll see about it. But I think he's going to be really, really good for us. And to, to a spin zone for Lions fans who may not have wanted Hutch, what I'll say is is that – I think if there was a perfect fit for the Detroit Lions, if there was a perfect fit for Dan Campbell, I think it's Aiden Hutchinson. That's dude, that is what I've been saying. And I know I mean, yeah, I'm a Michigan fan. There's a little bias there, but I try my I try my hardest to to remove my fandom and remove my bias and actually watch the team for what they are. And I think my takes over the past couple of years of of Harbaugh just habitually failing have have reflected that. I watched Aiden Hutchinson this year, and not only did I see a really, really good football player, but he was not only the leader of that defense, he was the leader of that whole team. Right. He was the emotional on-field leader of the defense, and of course he can't be on-field for offense, but he was the emotional leader of the locker room overall. And I, much like you, saw that fit with Dan Campbell. I mean, I can't see, I can literally picture Aiden Hutchinson waking up, opening his refrigerator, and it's just filled with kneecaps. <laughs> and, and, and Dan Campbell just loves you. that, man. I hate but, you. No, but like seriously, though, like Hutchinson is like all we have heard is Dan Campbell wants straight up. I mean, football dudes, guys right. are up at 6 a.m. ready to rock and roll. And that 100 percent seems like Aiden Hutchinson. So at least that's what we've heard. That's what we've heard. And I, I don't think it's actually debatable because. Um, that he really is that guy who is is he's like the 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 blue collared uh, bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy hard hat name hard tag. hat name tag man and that like that's Detroit right that's that's what Motor Motor City Dan Campbell is all about MCDC yes sir right so um, I think it's a really good fit for the Lions I think Tibbs might be a better football player if you ask me I think he is a better football player. But I don't think he was the right fit for the Detroit Lions, which whatever that means, right? And I'm a Michigan State guy. I graduated from Michigan State. So I'm not like, there's no bias here. I'm telling you, I think Aiden Hutchinson was the right pick for the Detroit Lions. So take take that for what it is. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that he was, um, he's going to be better than Thibodeau or Thibodeau's going to be better than him. I have no idea. But what I will say is I think the Detroit Lions made the right selection. All right. We'll find out this fall. And we'll... Well, Three think, years down the line, yeah, it's yeah. Like I said, it's going to be a Kobe LeBron thing. It's going to be a battle. I, I think. think. I think they're both going to be lifers too for their franchises. If you, if, I mean, maybe not Hutch because he's been here for so long. A guy who grew up here, played high school here, played college here, and now to play pro here, I just like I don't even want to live here anymore. That, that I was going to say that I was going to say because anyone who has lived in Michigan for as long as Hutchinson right. has, I, I know for a fact there is a there is a, a sliver of him whether it be, you know, 10% or 30% that wants to leave Michigan. Yeah, 100%, especially if, if you're a millionaire, right? Oh, yeah, oh, 100%. Why, yeah. why you wouldn't live you live wherever you yeah. want? Yeah. I mean, if I ever made that kind of money that he's making and not had, like, the the amount on my plate that a professional athlete has, I would. there's no shot I'd live in Michigan. Like, I would be so far gone. Um, and I love I love this city and I love this state, but I, I hate the cold. I'm a beach guy. I love I love the beach. Oh yeah. So I would be out and out and gone in Cali or Florida as soon as possible. So I think there is a slight chance that after his contract expires, he he takes a look at other options. But see, I, I actually doubt that. I, I don't think that I don't think that it's uh crazy to say that he could leave uh throughout his career, but I'm pretty sure no one has ever turned down the rookie extension, right? I don't I never heard that before. I have. You yeah. have? Yeah, like it's it never happens. What, like after his four or five years is yeah. up? Yeah, doesn't happen very often. Really? Yeah. When, you tell well, me there's not somebody well, no, no, no. out when there. You're, uh, hold on, let me. When you're that high, because the the bag that you get, your second contract when you're a number two overall pick is fucking ridiculous. That's true. He's yeah. gonna, he's he he might. So like, there's like, a potential him again, Kobe and LeBron. There's a potential that him and Thibodeau are like the one and two highest paid players in the league at the time that their contracts are right. expiring. Yeah. So I, I'm sure it's happened to like a, you know, third, fourth rounders or even a second rounder, but someone who's taken like top five, I don't think it's ever happened. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've never heard that before. Now I'm, I'm going to trust you on that because you seem pretty confident. <laughs> so what I will say is um, then, yeah, at some point down the line, maybe he'll pull Stafford and, and go somewhere, California love West side, something like that. But um, I don't know. Maybe the fans embrace him the way that I think they will. Uh, if he produces, dude, this city will, will go to bat for him. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we'll, we'll do anything. Even the Michigan state guys, right. They'll, they'll all, they will love, Hutch, if he produces, oh, so hundred percent, I think he might have a really good career here, and I think we're gonna love him here. Um, right when we made that pick, man, I said, "All right, I'm not mad." Yeah. I said, "All right, same here." I said, "I'm gonna go buy an Aiden Hutchinson jersey tomorrow." That's what I'm gonna do. Did you really? I didn't because you know why? <laughs> They're not available yet. No, but not that either. But yeah, that's true. But the reason why I didn't is because I decided I'm gonna buy a fucking JMO jersey, dude. Okay, all right. Look, perfect transition. So obviously, the Lions traded their 32. Uh, and 34th overall pick for um, for the 12th overall pick and the 46th overall pick. 12th overall pick. I mean, one, I was very surprised they did this. I was like, holy, I was like, I, I, like I, I read it on my, if I read the Rappaport tweet, I was like, he didn't, for some reason, he didn't mention the tweets, but he said 32 and 34 go to the Vikings for 12. I was like, wait, Wait a second. We, we had 32 <laughs> oh, and 34. Yeah, I was yeah, like, we just awesome. traded. Who are we taking? Like, Alex, I thought my dream was about to come true because we know how big of a Jordan Davis guy I am. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, they're doing it. They're, my dream is coming true. They're t- they took Hutcher Thibs at number two. They took Hutch, and they're going to trade up and take Jordan Davis. I was like, I'm, I'm about to scream. I'm so happy. Now, unfortunately for me, they did not take Jordan Davis. Now, I want to make it very, very clear. I am not upset by this move, by moving up to take Jamison Williams. I think he's a fantastic player. I personally just would have decided I thought Jordan Davis was a more appropriate pick. I do think the need um, is bigger because, of course, as you know, being a former football player, the best way to get a football team to where it needs to be is to be good on both sides of the ball. Now, the Lions have that taken care of on the offensive side pretty well. You know, we got Frank rag now, um, you know, we got Sewell, we got Taylor Decker. We got a good team on that side of the ball, but on the defensive side, it's lacking. I think if you would have added a one, two punch like Davis and Hutchinson to this defensive line, considering how good we are on the opposite side of the football, that's what I really think could put this, uh, could put this team in the driver's seat. I mean, that, that wasn't even an option. And I, and think about it for a second. Where, where would Jordan Davis play on our defense? Then where's Aleem McNeil going to play? Who I don't care. Get him out of here. No, man, because that's just a waste of assets then. You can't give up on your guys. Aleem McNeil was one of the top rookies last year on defense. Well, there's two defensive tackles. You can play the other side. Then where's Levi and Wuzurike going to play? I don't care. He's not not Jordan Davis. No, that's not the point. Exactly. He's not Jordan Davis, but he is Levi and Wuzurike, the person who you drafted in the second round, the person who you almost traded up for last year to grab in the first round. So with that being said, just remember, Remember this for a second. You can't just get rid of your assets and go, oh, well, we got a better one now, so we're just going to dump them. No, you, you know how ridiculed he would be for that? They'd be like, all right, you clearly, A, made the wrong choice because you clearly don't even believe in your player that you drafted because you're already replacing him, and B, you're a shitty GM because you just wasted a second-round draft pick when we could have got a receiver instead, right? So... That's the point where I knew it wasn't going to be Jordan Davis because there's just nowhere for him to play. At this point, you have your starters on the D-line, at least for right now. You're going to evaluate them still. Levi barely played last year. He barely practiced last year. He hasn't even had a full year under our scheme, under our coaching, any of that. So you have to give him his chance to, to develop. Ali McNeil showed a lot of promise. I think he's going to develop really well. There's just no way that it was going to be Jordan Davis because it would have been a pick where you are essentially saying I fucked up last year. So here I am making up for it this year. But don't you don't you think he like Brad Holmes almost kind of said that? And I know we're not discussing uh the next pick quite yet, but the third pick of our draft was Josh Pascal, edge rusher from Kentucky, which so, I think they had their if you read what I've read if you read what I read, it looks like they had their eyes on him for a long time. So fair, fair enough. I have I have read that. I've heard about that. My, and and the point being, my point being is that if they knew that no matter what, they were going to be great. Because I heard he had like a third round grade on him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they took him in the second, so that way they can a hundred percent ensure that they're getting their guy. That's fine. I'm absolutely fine with that. But that means to me that they knew they were getting him, which means they weren't going Jordan Jordan Davis again. Which means they're going to add that depth in every defense. You can never have enough defensive linemen. Ever. Very true. Because you know what? If you want to get a brand new one out there every single play, like, 
fucking do it. Keep them all fresh. That's the best way to do it. Uh-huh. Plus injuries happen. Of course you want the depth as, as much as possible. And that's where I think, and we'll get to Pascal, but I, that's the thing about Pascal is that he's um, so versatile. He plays all the way from a one technique to a nine technique, which is left to right, like all the way through. He can play any position. Mm-hmm. Amazing against the run. Again, we'll get to him in a second, but that's the kind of guy that you draft for depth, right? I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think he's going to alternate in every other play mm-hmm. and make an impact immediately. Yeah. Um, so it just, to me, it seemed like there was just no shot. We can't take Jordan Davis here and give up on the assets that we have invested in within last year and this year. I, I mean, I'm still going to disagree. I I don't think that I, I just think like, you know, when you got a generational type player like Jordan Davis, I don't really think that, you know, a lot of people matter in that, in, you know, in terms of your previous assets, I do understand Ali McNeil had a very, very good rookie year. We can pair him with Jordan Davis and Anzarike, you know, injured the whole time. Like, I don't know. I, I just, it comes down to it. I think that Jordan Davis would have had a, a more immediate impact, which of course he will. Cause Jameson Williams isn't going to play the first couple weeks of the season with the ACL uh, recovery. I think Jordan Davis would have had a more immediate impact and possibly cause you know, of course the, Biggest discussion about Jordan Davis is his weight uh, and his longevity, possibly a longer term impact on this team than taking Jamison Williams. I disagree. And it's because of what we kind of just talked about. But I mean, you got guys like Penasini who on the roster for the Detroit Lions who played really well at the end of last year. He did. Kate was coming into his own finally, right? Because there's a learning curve. And he was a what? Uh, Penasini was what? Sixth, seventh round pick? He was a late one. Late pick, right? Um, guys like that, that you expect them to have a learning curve. You actually expect them to not make the team. So the fact that he's making the team, making an impact and growing as a player is really promising. This has two things to, about, about him to me. Well, this has two things to me. One, that the coaching staff is doing their job in developing these young guys. Two, it means that Penasini is showing a lot of promise in himself to actually be able to be a player who should stay in this league. There is so much depth on our D-line now that I think taking Jordan Davis would would have we would have to cut someone who we see value in, which if you're talking about the draft, you're talking about your needs. I just don't think defensive line, especially interior, was that big of a need right there, right then, to give up assets to go get, if that makes sense. No, it does. I, I see what you mean. So to what you were you gonna say? No, 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 no. Go so ahead. to to wrap up the moving up for Williams, is there someone one who did you think it was going to be? Malik Willis. I was really? scared shitless. Dude, dude, so I was a little I was a little that that thought did creep into my head. I was like, dude, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please I was don't scared do this. Shitless, dude. I literally told everybody I was with, I was like, I'm so ready to break my TV if this is Malik Willis. I, I was, and I, I said, Today is my last day as a Lions fan. Today's my last day. Which because, would have been a lie, but no, it I okay, yeah, maybe talk a big talk, we'll see. <laughs> I would have I would have been really I would have been really upset. Oh yeah, me and, too. And I don't know why, because I have I on the last pod I told you like I wouldn't cry about it if we took him at two. But knowing what I knew right before the draft, knowing that he was falling, knowing that there's a good possibility that no quarterbacks go in the first round, knowing that after we got Hutch and we traded up, I was like, dude. Why? Why do this? Like we could have waited. We could have waited. I was like, you could have got him at 32. If you're going to do this, like why trade? Don't be the lions. Yep. Don't be the lions. Um, when I found out it wasn't Willis, dude, I, you should have seen me and some of my fellows run around the basement, man. Like kids. When we found out it was Jameson, one of my Colin co-host of live wire, yeah. fellow rise network, uh, and colleague. Um, he was like, who the hell are we trading up for? And like, he loves Jameson Williams, but I don't know. It was just like an afterthought. He didn't think about it. I was like, Colin, it could be J-Mo. He was like, holy shit, it could be. He was like, oh my God, I, did, I, did, I forgot about him. Like, there's a good chance. And when Goodell came out there and was like, Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. Dude, this kid got up and started jumping like a child. <laughs> jumping like a child about how happy he was that we got Jamison Williams. Because those are the type of players that the Lions don't get, dude. That's true. We don't get swaggy picks. We don't athletic. get athletic. The guys, he's dude. A, I, 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 like. Can I deep dive into JMO for dude, a second? Go ahead. Go ahead. May I? Yes. All right, absolutely. I just, just want to let you know. Like, I, I truly believe that Jameson Williams is the best receiver in this draft. Okay, let's hear it. Why? Well, first and foremost, to be a good receiver in the NFL draft, you have to be good. You have to be the best in like some category, right? Whether it be catching, route speed, running, speed, right? You have to, yeah, be, right. to be the best, you have to be best at something. Absolutely. 
I quite literally think he's the best in almost every category. Okay. All right. That's a, I'm, I'm writing it down for take. you. A, he's probably the fastest out of all the top prospects. He is, he is the fastest. He is okay. by far the fastest out of all the top prospects. That's not, not even debatable. He's the fastest. It's not. Uh, he runs the best routes, short, intermediate, and deep by far. Um, some of the some of the body body control dexterity in the hands that I've seen, um, best in this class, best in this class. Uh, and he's the best at grabbing yards after the catch in this class by far. Owen, oh, by the way, an elite punt and kick returner, right? Yep. Uh, his ability to start and stop on routes without losing too many yards and running the route at how it's drawn up is next level shit. Next level shit. Okay. Um, you simply can't play man coverage on him. Okay. And his technical route running ability is one of Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup. I shit you not. Like, he runs the most precise routes that out of college you don't see. Like, he is such a supreme route runner with the ability to stop on a dime, with the ability to uh, get up like an electric car does with no, like, jerk. Oh, yeah. Like, he goes 0 to 60 without hesitation. Like, it's, it, like he just goes. I'm sure you guys have all seen that double the double move play. I think it was against Georgia. Oh yeah, the little stutter step and then goes right back into like blazing four two speed. Yep. I get so excited when I see that. I could see it. Your face, right I now. dude. I could see it. And I'm a huge, 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 huge non advocate for wide receivers in the first round. I think drafting a wide receiver in the first round is the biggest waste of a pick you could ever make. Name, name, name off the top of your head right now. Boom. Name a wide receiver. Uh, Mike Evans. I that's a bad. This was always he a first happens. Rounder? Yeah, he's a first rounder. <laughs> Damn, make, okay, make, fine. Make, Devontae Adams. Well, that one you knew was a second rounder. Give me a little, some dig Jesus. deep a little bit. Okay. Um, Hunter Renfro. Not the first round. Yeah, exactly. Great player. Great too. player. Very good. But player. like, dude, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Hopkins. Uh, first round. Was he a first rounder? Yeah. Jeez, man, I'm good at first round receivers. Yeah, apparently. But like, 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 there's, they're few. Trust me, they're few and far in between. You're probably your favorite wide receiver. Probably wasn't drafted in the first round. Okay. And prior to the Bucks winning the Super Bowl, like if he was drafted in the first round, he probably hasn't won a damn thing. Like that's just how it goes, right? right. Yeah. Um, you there's so much DK Metcalf. Like there's so second much value in the second round with wide receivers. And we're going to see that this year too. We're, I'm going to, it's going to haunt us for the rest of our lion career. As long as Christian Watson is in the league, I think he's going to be fantastic oh, and, yeah. and we're for the packs. He he's going to be unbelievable. Um, so when we took him, I didn't feel that though. I did not feel that urge of like, no, fuck. We don't take wide receivers in the first round. I think he was the only exception to that rule for me. So I think he's that good. I think he is Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase level. So let me ask you this then. And I myself have have my doubts about this take, and I'll, I'll say them after I say it, but I want to get your opinion on it first. If he is so good, if he is the best receiver in this class, how come Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave beat him out at Ohio State when he was there and were drafted above him? Uh, two things, two answers to that question. One, why did they beat him out at Ohio State? Um, players develop at their own speeds differently. I think if whatever happened when he went to Alabama, I think changed him a lot. He learned something from Nick Saban or from whomever that he learned from that he wasn't getting at Ohio State. Whether it be opportunity too. I mean, Olave and Wilson have been there for a few years. They've been they've been there. They've been doing oh, yeah. that shit since I, they were freshmen. I have seen Chris Olave. Chris Olave has made me punch objects in my house multiple times. Yeah, and he's been doing it for years. So I mean, guys like that who come in right away. Um, I mean. You, you, you players develop at different speeds, right? And why were they drafted in front of him? Um, simply, and it is truly just this: he's got a scar going down from his, uh, the top he's of his shin, <laughs> yeah, to to the, the the bottom of his quad. Right. Um, that's the only reason. Because prior to his ACL injury, he was the first wide receiver off the board in every mock, and he was top five projection. But uh, yeah, you can you can battle that and say, well, he did tear his ACL, so that's not the case anymore. Cool, would have been the case, but he's not. And my reply to that is, I think with modern medicine and how surgeries go today, I mean, I don't know how much baseball you watch, but Justin oh Verlander got Tommy John's. Tommy John doesn't mean anything anymore, dude. Verlander looks the exact, if, if not better. One even better example: Michael Fulmer, two 
two Tommy John surgeries, and I know he's not the starter he used to be I anymore. Say, I don't know how good Michael Fulmer is anymore. But. Oh, dude, no, listen, for a in the bullpen, he's a stud. He's one of the best in the league. Two Tommy John surgeries. And that's the key, though. He's in the bullpen. I, I think that, that's hey, a bad we're example. We're using him right, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and I hear you. I think that's a bad example. It makes a point. He's still playing after two Tommy Johns, right? Playing and, very and Tommy well, Johns too. isn't the same as an ACL, and I get that, and they're both different. And if you want to argue about it, I would actually say Tommy Johns might be worse than an ACL tear, right, yeah. especially for what pitchers do, right? Absolutely. So, um, with But with that being, I mean, we saw Adrian Peterson back in, what, 2008? What did what he when did he tear his ACL? 2012? Somewhere. It was around there. Yeah. It didn't I don't matter. Know. Somewhere around there. He won an MVP the next year. The very next year he won an MVP. Yep. So, um, and that was back then. I mean, modern medicine has come along so way in the last 10 years anyway. So, I just don't think ACL injuries are that big of a deal anymore. I mean, we saw, and I know this has been overused, but I'm just going to make a point because it is a point to make. We saw Cam Akers come I back. Yeah, you that. saw I was, it. I was about to bring it up yeah, too. <laughs> I mean, we saw Cam Akers come back from a ruptured Achilles in six months. That doesn't fucking happen. Yeah. Like that's a huge deal. Like he had to go bathe in the fountain of youth. Exactly. So, I mean, ultimately, and, and we, we asked Cam Akers at the Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember, but when we were at the Super Bowl, I asked him, I said, I do remember you, when we were at the Super Bowl. Well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do you remember me asking him, what do you attribute your speedy recovery to? And yeah. he, he quite literally told me I had nothing to do with medicine. It had everything to do with me. He's like, I woke up every day wanting to heal, wanting to do what I had to do to get better to heal quicker, to heal faster, to get to where I have to be. I don't know anything about Jameson Williams. I don't know if he has that mindset. I don't know if he's built like that. But I have to assume two things. One, if Dan Campbell drafted him, I have to assume he's built like that because that's the kind of guy Dan Campbell is. Oh, yeah. Two, I have to assume that the Detroit Lions did their absolute best, their due diligence, to find out that Jameson Williamson Sorry, Jameson Williams will be just fucking fine mm -hmm. to play football. That this injury will not, because they, they're, dude, if they even got one report from one doctor, one specialist that said, I don't know, I don't know, they weren't trading up to get him. Yeah. There's they, just they no gave, way. Yeah, because that's, I mean, they, 32 and 34 for a guy that you don't know about health wise, that's a lot. That's a real big yeah, risk. So I have it on good authority that they did their part, they found out what they needed to find out, and that he's going to be just fine medically. Um, the only thing I'll say is, is like, I don't, I don't want to look at it. Like we gave up 32 and 34 because in return, we still got a first round pick and we still got a second round pick back. Mm -hmm. Essentially the way I look at it is other than moving a few spots, we gave up a 66th overall pick for Jameson Williams. Yep. Who can complain about that? I, I can't. Like I don't I know said, how the Vikings accepted that. Dude, I, that's what I was going to say. I <laughs> completely fleeced the Vikings. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In division, and we fleeced them. Yeah. Thank and so, you. dude, I, I, was, I made my way to Vikings Twitter somehow. They were pissed. Oh, I had been too. They were pissed. They were they like, take? what? Probably defensive back. <laughs> what, at 32? Yeah. Oh, they just I just always see that the Vikings are all like it seems like no matter what the need is, like Vikings are always taking defensive backs. <laughs> I think they might have taken Lewis Seen out of Georgia. I'm not even sure. No, that. they did no, they did. Yeah, they did take Lewis yeah. Seen out of Georgia. Yeah, there you right. go. So yeah. they, they took a DB. Yeah, they took a safety. So um pretty I mean, I, if the Lions took him at 32, I wouldn't have been upset, but I'm very excited about JMO. Um if you're talking about jersey sales, which everyone was bitching about, about Aiden Hutchinson, they were saying, oh, we're just taking them because it's good for business. Um, yeah, maybe locally to your fellow 40-year-old white man who pay, paints his face maize and blue. Yeah, maybe it, it is good for it. He'll buy an Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson jersey. But I also think that Jameson Williams, to the younger crowd, to the fantasy football player, to the random 12-year-old who watches him on Sunday Night Football and he goes 60 yards and takes a slant to the house, running right through both safeties right up the middle. Like, I think there's going to be kids out there who latch onto that, see that for the first time and go, I don't know who that is, but that's my favorite player. Because that's right. the kind of shit that happened to me when I was a kid, right? Yeah. Um, that's I think that's he, how I fell in love with basketball. I saw Derrick Rose's MVP season. There you go. Yep. Exactly. I think he's going to be one of those players that like impact kids from out of state, from out of area. Like people are going to draft him on their fantasy teams and he's got ball out for them and they're going to buy jerseys of his. And like, we finally got a guy that's cool to like, yeah, 100%. it's cool to like, yep. like I, I'm all in dude. I Absolutely. love it. All right, let's get to this. Uh, our third pick of the draft, one that we weren't expecting that really the league as a whole was not expecting. He was graded out as a third rounder, ended up going in the second round, 46 overall, Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Now, I 
of course, like I'm sure you had some questions about this. I think a lot of us had some questions when we saw this name go across the board. Um, but now that I've done some research, some things have come out about the Lions and, and where they ranked them. I don't feel bad about it at all. You know, he was the three year captain at Kentucky. So you got the leadership aspect. He's got good size. He can go inside and go outside. He seems like just a really overall, very versatile, well-rounded defensive end. Um, and the fact that, you know, it seemed like he was. I mean, we talked about it. he was targeted by the Lions, and I think that you combined his natural talent, his natural ability. Of course, a third rounder is still that's a very, I mean, not a very high pick, but that's a reasonably high pick in the NFL draft. You combine that with Aaron Glenn having his eye on this guy for a while, combined with what Aaron Glenn did with this defense last year. I'm okay with it, and I I, I have a lot of hope for it. I personally think that he is absolutely going to make an impact on this team in more ways than just visually, right? So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, first three-time captain uh, in history of the program at Kentucky, uh, cancer survivor, says a lot about... Well, I did know? not... No, I did not hear that. He's can, a cancer survivor? Can, cancer survivor who went through chemo and didn't miss practice. That is a kneecap biter right there. Didn't That's a practice. fucking kneecap biter. Would come from chemo and go to practice. And not, we won't fucking play in tennis. Yeah. Football. Football. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, which, how, can that, how, how can you be allowed to do that? James Conner did the same thing, just for reference. But um, yeah, like those guys are truly built different. Truly built different. And it's, I mean, why, and it's why James Conner has had a resurgence to his career. I agree, because that people like him don't give up, right? And right. that's the thing. I think it's like easy for you to, to feel bad about yourself and feel bad about your current situation. And, you know, oh, I'm so unfortunate for this, this, and the other, which I think 99.99999% of people would feel that way. But Pascal is one of the guys who didn't poo-poo himself and said, you know what? Um, A, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to survive this. Um, I'm going to do what I have to do to survive this and B, I'm going to still do my day to day, which at that time was playing football. Uh, it was cancer in his foot too, which is like, how, how are you playing football with a fucked up foot at the same time? Right. Mm -hmm. So absolutely unbelievable. The kid has apparently the greatest intangibles that I have come across from Alliance prospect in a long time. I'm totally a Dan Campbell kind of guy. At first, when we drafted him, I was pissed because I didn't. He was one of those guys that I didn't know. I didn't know the name, Me so neither. I knew a lot of players in this draft. And I, you know that what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. It means nothing. I'm not a scout. Like I'm not, you know. But I just always prefer someone who I know, right? So when we took him, I was like, "Damn, Brad Holmes hates the second round. He did Levi last year. He does this guy this year. He's like, I was like, he keeps taking random ass players, like, and they're always D line." Right. Mm -hmm. Then I find out all the intangibles, like we mentioned. Then I find out he's absolutely versatile. That he has, he can play nine different positions. Right. And I didn't, I like that wasn't over exaggeration. He can play nine different positions. Yep. On the D line, um, doesn't matter what shade, what gap you put him in. Doesn't matter what his responsibility is. Um, he lacks the pass rush ability, but I don't think we drafted him to get after the quarterback, which he can still do. Um, but he isn't absolute beast when it comes to run stop. I, I honestly like, and like, I, I'm not go, I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald, but the way that they are used in the scheme is similar. I think it's becoming clearly evident that Brad Holmes is trying to build the Rams. It, yeah. Like and quite hey, literally look at the, look at the offense, blue, good blueprint to go Re off. Really good. Li really Very good. good. Really good blueprint. Um, Go, go look at, how we're building this offense right now and tell me it isn't eerily the exact same thing Dude, as the Rams. It's mm -hmm. build your old line, feed your running back the ball. What is Jared Goff? The only thing Jared Goff is good at play action. Yep. So, um, I, I think Jamos, he's just stretched the field out the same way that Robert Woods used to same way that Cooper cup used to, I think Amon Ra and, and, and Amon Ra is going to have the same rule that Cooper cup does. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Hawkinson, uh, the Rams tight ends have always been relevant. I think Hawkinson's going to play that role, albeit I know we drafted one this year, uh, also coming off an ACL injury, but the rumor was he was supposed to be a third-round pick, 
And because of his injury, he fell to the fifth, mm -hmm. which I can't complain about when it comes to value. And as we talked about earlier, that ACLs aren't as big as a deal anymore. Um, I think those, that kind of value picks the injury discount, Colin likes to call them the injury discount. If you can get a guy in an injury discount that you are pretty certain will be okay. I mean, you can't beat that. And I, and the reason why I bring that up is because I don't think we're going to sign Hawkinson to be honest with you. Oh, really? Yeah. I think we sent him his fifth year to give him like one last shot. And if he has an absolutely amazing year, which I think he definitely can, depending on when James Jameson comes back. Um, but if he does come back early enough, I think he impacts, I think everyone else gets impacted significantly from Jameson Williams other than Jameson Williams. So expect, expect play to evolve and to excel for people like Amonra, for people like Swift, and for people like Hawkinson or when Jameson hits the field. Yeah, but, my, my thing with Hawk is, like, I, I like him. He's, like, really good tight end. He's not, like, for where he was taken, I don't think anyone really liked that. You know, he's not a Kelsey. He's not a Kittle. And I think in order for him now four years into his career to justify that pick, he would have had to be the run blocker that he was sold to be out of college and he's good at it, but he's not as good as he was sold. Um, so, I mean, that's where I'm at, but yeah, back to, uh, back to Pascal, like, yeah, just a really, really good overall player. I love the scheme that he's going in. And quite honestly, like after that season with Aaron Glenn, with how, like how inept they were talent wise on the defensive side of the ball and how much progress was made. And the fact that they were in every game and the fact that they played you know, played their balls off every single game. I will just put my full trust in any defensive pick I see right now because I have the utmost faith in Aaron Glenn. There is a reason, and I've said this before, there's a reason this man was getting head coaching calls. With three wins. With three wins. 100%. And this is what, one of it, was it his first year as a DC? Yes. That's what I thought. Like, that's that doesn't happen Says very a lot, often. man. Says a lot. Um, And to me, I feel that the only way I like, I like our defensive roster right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of potential. I just, I think the floor is very low, but I think the ceiling is very high. I think yeah. the ceiling is the roof, right? But I think the floor, dude, the floor is fucking lava. It's a basement, right? Um, there's opportunities where the Acora brothers don't pan out. There's opportunity where Le Levi doesn't pan out. There's opportunity where Hutchinson isn't the pick and it was Tibbs. And there's an opportunity where Okuda never comes back successfully, yeah. right? All those things scare the shit out of me. On that same token, I think there's an opportunity that Okuda could be one of the best corners in this league. Everything could happen. I think, I think Hutchinson could be one of the best pass rushers in this league. Yep. I think Levi ends up being that first-round talent that Brad Holmes saw him as, mm -hmm. but waited and got him in the second. Like I think there's so many things that can work out in our favor. Um, right now, I feel like our... The Achilles heel of the Lions defense to me is the linebacker room. So if we're going to lose games this year, I think it might be the result of um, Anzalone, Jared Davis, Derek Barnes, right? Those three names scare the shit out of me. And we did not address it. We really didn't draft any linebackers except for um, the kid out of Oklahoma State. Malcolm Rodriguez. Why don't we transition to him right now then? Let's do it. Malcolm Rodriguez. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. I like I like the pick just based off the fact that one it's a need. You mentioned uh, you know Barnes, Anzalone, uh, Gerard Davis, who was back on the team again. Yeah, uh, not getting it done in the linebacker room. It is a really really core part of the defense. Oklahoma State had an absolutely amazing year defensively. They were one of the best defenses in college football. So I love the pick. You know, just off of fit wise and the fact that he was the middle linebacker on one of the best defenses in college football, which of course comes with a lot of responsibility, lots of play calling, lots of recognition. So I like it from that that standpoint. What concerns me is the whole hey Big Twelve kind of sucks at defense. So if he's really the best, you know, the best middle linebacker in the big 12, that means in the big 10, maybe he's like third or fourth best, but maybe, but what I will say is, is that Oklahoma state's defense last year was a like different than any big 12 defense we've seen in recent years. Like Oklahoma state was what they finished, what sixth in the nation last year. They, they were damn close to going to the playoffs. Yeah. They were damn, damn close, close to going to the playoffs and it wasn't because of their offense. Nope. So, I mean, Oklahoma state had a fantastic defense last year and for him to be the leader of that team, lead the team in tackles. Um, that's huge for us. The only knock on him was that, um, he can't make himself available to make a tackle. Right. So 
Hence Josh Pascal, right? A guy who's fantastic at stuffing holes, run blocking, Ali yeah. McNeil, Levi was a, a block eater. If you can make him, all right, put it this way. I don't know how much you know about what the linebackers job X and O's wise in, in football is, but um, I mean, it's, they ideally your linebacker should never get touched by offensive linemen. Of course. Right. Right. So you don't want you, them to get to the second level. Yeah, never. That's the number one rule. Yep. You know, don't let the offensive line get to the second level. So ideally when you have defensive linemen, you want them to clog up every hole possible and the linebacker is supposed to fill the open gaps. Right. Um, apparently this kid, if he has somebody in front of his face, open field tackle, he will not miss. He's they're going down. That's what everyone's saying. Gap he, filler. Gap filler. He will not miss a tackle. Two time All American wrestler, which I think is kick ass. Oh hell yeah! So he's a great athlete. Really scrappy. He's a little bit undersized, but I'm not too worried about it. Um, with how shitty our linebacker room is, if he can play the role that Derek Barnes played last year, which was, and eh, we're kind of losing a lot of games right now. Why don't we just throw him in and see what he's got? I would love to see what this kid's got. Absolutely, yeah. If, if he's a, the true play, because that's the one thing I think we lack on defense is a, a, a true nose for the football linebacker. If he's that, I'm all in for and it. It's, so. And it's a telltale part of every great NFL defense has that middle linebacker yep. that's calling shots, that's filling gaps, that's laying the wood. Luke Keekley, Fred Warner, Bob, Bobby Monty Wagner. David, Bob, like, yeah. The list goes on. 100%. Oh, you already said Keekley. Darius Leonard. Like, there, yeah, seriously. All good defenses that, has That's that another thing that makes me Rope happy is how, like, Darius Leonard, like, Darius Leonard was like, what? He was like a fifth rounder, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a second, but yeah. Wait, what? Oh, my God. All right. Never mind. Sorry. I thought he was taken way later than the second round. I used round. to think that, I'm too. I don't, I don't know why. I, I I don't know where that was said once, but I used to think that, too. But, um, yeah, like, for moments just like this, yeah, I said that, like, oh, he was like a fifth rounder, and everyone's like, no, he's a second. So yeah. then I learned. So now you'll know forever he's a second. Um, but still yeah, a steal. But still, At the second absolutely. round, still a steal to get that kind of player. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um. I'm all for it. We'll see how it goes. All right. Another defensive player. I was really, really happy about this one. Not only was it a need, but it's a very, very good player. Comes from a good conference in the Big Ten. Safety, Kirby Joseph. Also, we talked a little bit uh, off the pod. Passes the name test. Passes the name test. Possibly. I think he does. I think he does. We'd have to have Colin verify that. Should, should we try and call him right now? All right. Let's see if let's he try, picks up. Let's try it. Let's try and call him. Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Macklem has this thing called the, it's called the name test, right? You hear a guy's name and, and sometimes you just know that that's a dude. Like that's a football dude. That's a basketball dude. Whatever sport that it may be. Yo, we got him on the line, I think. Hey, I got a question for you. What's up? You're live on the Motor City Sound podcast right now. Um, okay. Does Kirby Joseph pass the name test? Dude, I gotta say it does, man. Yeah, hey, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> love it, love it. Why is yeah, it pass the name test? I, explain, explain to Mitch your thought on boring ass safety names. No, yeah. So, so the thing is, though, I mean, I don't know. It's such, it's such a broad spectrum when it comes to the name test, but I'm so sure about it when I know a guy passes the name test, and a guy like Kirby Joseph, man. Like the Joseph, it's a little common, you know, but it's always got to be followed or it's got to start with something crazy, like Kirby. And that's, that's honestly a pretty fucking crazy name. <laughs> it's and, crazy. And these usually safeties, they have crazy names or they have like a really generic name, like fucking Bob Sanders or, or sorry for the cursing, by the way. I don't know if you Will know. Harris. Fuck him, dude. Will, Will, uh, Will Harris sucks. But well, Bob Sanders. Basic, basic name. Uh, yeah. Get, uh, Sanders, Earl Thomas. Just, like, Ed Reed. Names, Earl Thomas. Yeah. So like Kirby I, it, Joseph, like Kirby Joseph, that, that passes, dude. It is, it is. Kirby's a sick ass name. I mean, Kirby and fucking Super Smash. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Smashes people just like Kirby Joseph's gonna smash people on Sundays, man. Dude, yes, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, baby. Appreciate you. Of course. Have a See day. Look at that. So what, a, what a guy. Yeah, awesome. Love that we could just pull him up. I think he's at work right now too. That's the coolest <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, no, I like. Absolutely love that. Colin has this theory, as he just explained, like if your safety has a generic ass name, like as we mentioned, Ed Reed, Bob Sanders, like the Cam, the Cam Chances is actually a pretty kick ass name. Dude, that's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, by the way, you look like a Cam. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. All right, thank you. Hundred percent, like you look like a Cameron. Cameron Mitchell. All right. That's yeah. wait. Who is that? Cameron Mitchell. I don't know. They're a famous person, aren't they? Why is it they so famous? Be. Is that a basketball player? I don't know. Cam Mitchell. Cameron Mitchell. I don't know, but you look like a cam. Anyway, Thanks, um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I've never, I've never really met like an ugly cam, I guess. 
Um, not that you're like good looking, but you're not ugly. This podcast getting a little saucerystic. Sorry, we can, just, we, can cut, <laughs> we can cut that. Um, no, but yeah, I think Kirby Joseph will make a good impact. What I've read about him is that he's an absolute ball hawk. Um, makes not afraid to make an open field tackle. Something that we need, right? Will Harris wasn't cutting it, and I think Deshaun Elliott was a gap filler. Oh yeah, I'm um, sure. yeah. I think he might, he might get cut after this year. I'm pretty sure he's on a one year deal anyway. Would not be surprised, right? So for me, if he can make plays on the ball, his only knock was his. Lack of starting time. He only played one season at Illinois, but he was really productive within that one season. So, I mean, he had five interceptions. That's not like anything to, that's half half an interception a game, one every other game. So that's really kick ass. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for him. And like, you know, we could use the same argument that we used for Malcolm Rodriguez. You know, we kind of, you know, uh, put it as a knock on him that he played in the big 12. I think it's a plus that Kirby Joseph played in the big 10. Second best conference, in my opinion, right behind the SEC. So I think that's a that's a really really good sign, and and of course all the I mean just about every grade I looked like gave that pick an A, yeah hundred percent just about everyone hundred well I mean you don't get an A plus from draft analysts unless every pick is an A, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how an A plus works right four point right yeah so I, I bottom line is that I think the Lions have proven that under Brad Holmes we're gonna build through the draft he obviously hasn't shown ineptability to. So they said this is the player acquisition phase. We didn't acquire shit during free agency. Really excited about DJ Chark still. Really excited. Mm -hmm. But one-year deal, as we talked about in the last pod, um, he's not locked in forever. That's the thing. He he just refuses to do anything in free agency, and that's fine. If like. Would I prefer that they spend some money? Sure. Maybe it's not the right time yet, though. But then don't call it the player acquisition phase. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he's clearly building through the draft. So. Which is exactly what they did uh, in LA. Going back to this is the Rams blue Rams two point oh. Yeah, Detroit and then Rams. and then and then and then what's going to happen is he's going to go just like Sneed, and he's going to go fuck them picks. Yes, I, don't, sir. I, I don't need them. I, I built already. Now let's acquire the finishing touches. Take all of our picks. We don't need them. Absolutely. We're going to win Super Bowl. So. so we got two more players to break down here. We're going to go kind of quick with them. Uh, tight end James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. Uh, he was a fifth round pick. Also a member of the ACL club with Jameson Williams. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Cause I, I kind of feel like, like my opinion, I feel like it was just mostly a depth pick, which I, I'm good with. You need, you need a backup tight end. There's things that Hawk does that he can't always be on the field all the time. You know, I think he's been, you know, say we're, we're just really driving the football, the, the ball down the field and we're running it and he's run blocking every play and he's dead ass tired. Yeah. Throw Mitchell in there. Give him a little pass. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 for me, it's not even that. I think um, it's two things. One, as we talked about earlier, I don't think Hawkinson, like right now, if I had to decide, I don't think we're going to resign him to a long-term deal because um, he's going to want big money, Mark Andrews money, Travis Kelsey money. I don't think he deserves it. So as of right now, at least. So that's one thing. I think they might be looking at a replacement here for him Two. Like you said, we always need depth in that position as a backup, but let alone Hawk has yet to show that he could be healthy for an entire season. Very true. So when he does inevitably go down, as he has every year so far in his career, he we will have a suitable backup that can catch balls. He's a great, great receiver, this kid uh, out of uh, Virginia Tech. Great receiver. So... I'm all for it. Um, like I said, he was supposed to be a third round grade, but because of his ACL injury, they got him in the fifth. That's great injury discount value. Yes, sir. I can't complain about it. At first, I was like, what are we doing? Tight end? But um, I kind of do that with every pick anyway. Like, <laughs> I, I freak out initially. and I'm like, come on, what are we doing? But it's just because I've been hurt so many times. Oh, dude, yeah, we're scarred. Yeah. We're, ex- we're completely scarred. Ex- exactly. I have trust issues when it comes to the draft. You know, Jelani Tavai. Dude. Teased Tabor. Just, it, it's all in my head at all times. I just, Eric Ebron. I, don't get me, don't get me going. And that, that's like, and I don't want to, I don't want to bring it back to the whole Pascal discussion, but I think that that selection is going to tell us much like the Bob Quinn selection of Jelani Tavai in the second round, the man that ESPN did not have freaking highlights to show of because no one was taking him there. Bob Quinn, except for you will tell us a ton about Brad Holmes as GM. Like if Jack, if Jack, if, uh, if Josh Pascal hits, 
we know Brad Holmes is a good GM. That was a guy that was graded out around rounds lower. They had their eye on him. They identified who they wanted and they took him. And if he turns out to be a productive, good NFL player, maybe even plays above that second round selection or yeah, that second, I always, I'm like, is he second or is he third? Second round selection. That's going to tell us that Brad Holmes knows what he's doing. That it's a guy that we can trust for years to come. With his resume right now, I'm, if I had to pick one or the other, um, I trust Brad Holmes and everything that he does right now. Obviously, yeah, me too. Good obviously draft last year. He had a, it seems like he had a really good draft. Finding players who are valuable in the fourth round and the third round with McNeil and uh, Manra, um, those are huge, dude. And with a team that's as bad as ours, you kind of even want your six round picks to get some playing time, right? Oh, yeah. So him proving that that's a possibility is is huge. All right, last player on the board, round six, number 217 overall. He's an edge out of Jackson State playing under Coach Prime there. I know you had an opinion on this guy, so I'm going to let you take it away. James Houston. Yeah, I'm I'm big on James Houston. Um, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, played at Florida, which obviously SEC team, big deal to be an edge rusher for an SEC team that's a five-star recruit, right? That's big name guys. Those are those are day one picks. Um, he got into some trouble and ended up having to go to Jackson State, but played under Prime. Um, dude, I heard rumors that no NFL teams could even get film on him. Like there wasn't any film on him from Jackson State because wow. they didn't have any. Like like there was something wrong with being able to show the film or give out the distribute the film to NFL teams. So from what I understood, the Lions strictly made this pick off of the film from Florida, which is crazy. Crazy to go. Yeah. Which means that he is not ready today, but they see something in him that's unbelievable. Um a, he comes from an HBCU, which oftentimes those schools aren't looked at a lot in the draft, right? B, he got into some trouble, so that might turn some teams off, right? Oh, well, this kid couldn't stay at the program that he originally went to, so that turns them off, right? Um, C, the competition, obviously, in FCS isn't the same as FBS, right? So all these things lead up to him being a six-round pick. But if you're going strictly football player, comparative to football player, he is supposed to go much, much higher than that. Like I said, five-star recruit. Those guys usually don't get past round three if they if they play their whole careers at college, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be one of those guys that with some development, with our awesome coaching staff, he could be huge. And again, it's that depth at the edge position. It's that depth at D-line. It's that depth on outside linebacker. Who doesn't need that? So if he can progress into be a starter in three years, dude, what a pick. Yeah, absolutely. And I, honestly, if he doesn't, it was a six-round pick. Who cares? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's Nothing a, that's about the it. Best part about it. And and you know what? Um, from what I understand, he's going to come in and impact special teams immediately. Apparently, he's a great athlete. Okay. And so, I mean, special teams. People like to like overlook it, but the true football heads know how important special teams are. And we got a lot of guys that are going to impact special teams, aka Mr. Rodriguez, who doesn't miss open field tackles, who's fast as shit, great athlete. Watch him cover on on punt returns. Absolutely, no. There's special teams are so important. There's always a there's always seems like there's a game or two a year in in college and in the pros that special teams make such a profound difference. I mean, I, I, the Iron Bowl in what was it 2011? I think Davis of Auburn runs back a missed field goal attempt to win the Iron Bowl. I mean, that's a huge special teams mishap. Myself, I had to go through the the fumble with the snap. I still haven't recovered from that. Yeah. I mean, that was bad, dude. Yeah, every year you can point something out where special teams wins or loses you a game. And that's ultimately your goal is to make it as, like, unimportant as it seems to, like, the normal football watcher. It's like exactly what we said earlier in the pod with Angel Hernandez. Like, if if you have a good special teams, hopefully no one knows who your special teams coach is. Hopefully no one really, outside of the punter and the kicker and the returner, no one really knows who's on. Like, you might notice, oh, hey, look, Jameson Williams is on a kickoff, you know? Like, but besides that... Like, you don't really want people to notice your special teams. Which, and by the way, Jameson Williams, unbelievable special teams player. I'm not yes. talking about just returning. I'm talking about, like, you should see how many open field tackles he made on Oh, punt. yeah. He's an X's and O's guy. Dude, he fucked up. So, uh, I forgot what game it was. He fucked, I think it was on Arkansas. He hit him so hard in the head, was targeting, got up, got in his face, shit-talked him to his face, and then got kicked out. And then the next week comes back against Georgia, makes the most beautiful leg tackle of all time. 
So shows me that he's extremely coachable too, mm-hmm. right? So a he's got the grit to throw around, smack his body around, th- fucking not afraid to smoke someone. And then B on top of that, he's clearly coachable. Comes back next week instead of hitting him high. What does he do? Ankle bites him. Perfect tackle low. So another good thing about JMO. Absolutely. All right. I think that's going to do it here. We've broken down all of our draft picks. Actually, let's let's end it here. What do you final thoughts overall on the draft? You don't have. If you want to give me a grade, go ahead and give me a grade. But just your final thoughts overall. One. I mean, I think it's clear at this point you do approve. How much you approve? Yeah. Fuck it. Just give me a grade. I'm going to go, it's hard because we don't know how these guys are going to pan out, but initially I'll go like A minus, A minus, B plus. And that's just because I'm, like I said, I've been scarred so many times before. So I don't, I also don't want to be a slappy and give them the A plus that everyone else has been giving them. Um, I think there's multiple teams that had better drafts than us. I think the Ravens, the Chiefs, um, even the Jets. The Eagles had a pretty good draft. Eagles, fantastic draft, especially acquiring AJ Brown. So um, I think I think the Lions might be in like fourth place for best draft. That's not bad though. Not bad. That, I mean, that's <laughs> something. You put, a couple, you put a couple of those top ten draft finishes together before you know it, you find yourself in a really good place in the it's league. It's like recruiting classes. Absolutely. It's like recruiting classes in college. If you can get two or three top ten recruiting classes, guess what? That fourth year, you guys are conti- contending for a title. Yeah. So uh, just keep that in mind, Lions fans. I think the future is bright. Finally. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give him a B plus just because I am. I will die on this hill until I I am proven wrong that Jordan Davis cannot have a long career in this league. I still think they should have taken Jordan Davis at 12 instead of Jamison Williams, but I'm not upset at it. Upset at it. I love the draft overall. I think this is a really, really good draft. I think it's, you know, building off of last year. I, I really think the Lions are in a great place right now, and it feels scary to say that. But much like in early in the episode, I have to take my bias away from being a Michigan fan. I have to take my bias away from knowing the suck of the Lions <laughs> history. And I have to say, hey, like this regime so far, they, they seem pretty buttoned up. How, how much of you thought that uh, the pick at 12 was Kyle Hamilton? I, honestly, I, I didn't. I didn't think it. I, I was I th- like it, it crossed my mind. I'm like, OK, if it's Hamilton. Not huge. Like I would have rather like, again, I would have rather had Jordan Davis. I think I feel like I'd be in the same boat if it was, if whether it was Jameson Williams, which it ended up being, or if it was Kyle Hamilton, I'd be like, okay, not what I would have done, but Hey, really good player. I'm here for it. Yeah. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about the whole draft to be honest. Like maybe it's not the guy that I wanted, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Like I, I, when we traded up, I wasn't like, Oh, please be Jameson Williams. Please be Jameson Williams. That's not what I was doing. But when it was, I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I was like, I want Jordan Davis. I saw Jameson Williams. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I was, like I was, that. I was advocating for Kyle Hamilton, but I'll, I'll take JMO. I think he's gonna be a big player. I, I, I'm excited for this year, man. The schedules on our side, over under on wins for this year. Go. Ooh, okay. We got three last year. What are we setting it at? Six? Let's set it at six. Oh, I'm asking you how many thing, how many wins you think we're gonna get? Oh, just straight up, how many wins are we at? Okay, yeah. um, I'm gonna go seven. Seven? Seven wins, yeah. I'll take the over. Okay. All right. By far. I won't be upset about it. I mean, hey, we're gonna we're uh you know, we win that amount of games. We're putting ourselves in a kind of a rough situation for the the quarterback situation next year. But hey, if the if this NFL offseason has taught us anything, it is that you do not need to draft a quarterback. I'll tell you that right now. And I I think <laughs> I don't know what the Packers are gonna be looking like at all without Devontae. I mean, they were four and oh without him when he didn't play two years ago. I'm sure they won't fall off that much, especially with Watson being there. But just in general, I think the Lions can win the division. I think hey, I I think they can win not, the division. Chicago's not doing nothing. That's for damn sure. I'm Minnesota, not worried about the Vikings. Minnesota's just starting a rebuild. There's a like and like you said, yes, Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers has Green Bay. Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers, but there's a lot of questions there. No Devontae. The defense is still an issue. The well, I mean, the offensive line is pretty good, but yeah, no Devontae. I mean, there's a lot of questions there in Green Bay. I I like the line. I think they might get ten wins this year. Okay, <laughs> I shit you not, right. dude. I I the, the schedule is so bad. All right, hey, we'll hold you to it. We're gonna hold you to it. Hold me to it. I think I think uh, I'll go nine wins. Nine wins. Okay, dude. Listen, if they win nine games, they that's a six win improvement. I I'm jumping for joy, man. Nine and eight, dude. I mean, nine if they win eight. seven games, I'm like, that's a pretty good improvement. Four I think games, it's nine, but you job. know what happens if we win nine games? We get shit out of luck for a quarterback. Yep. And also what that means is that Jared Goff must have played somewhat decent, so he might get extended, which yeah. scares the shit out of me too. 
So it's an interesting time to be a Lions fan. I will say also as well, Joe, we'll close on this. Um, I don't think the Rams are going to go back to back. Okay. I don't think they're going to go. I don't think they're going to do it. All right. So I think there's a decent chance that we have a better uh, pick next year as well for the Rams. So maybe just maybe we package up. Let's say if we finish nine with nine wins, we might be picking at like what? 14, 13, 14. Um, maybe we package up like 14 and 24 and move up to like two. Yeah. Hey, we who, who knows? It. I tend to think the the Rams. I mean, statistically speaking, yeah, I doubt they go back to back. But the fact that they fucking added Bobby Wagner, yeah, yeah that doesn't like, help. Uh, what? Don't, they got a Rob too, right? No, yep. or, do they? Yes, that's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is fucked. But hey, the Detroit Rams, man. All right, listen, that's been episode fifty-two of the Motor City Sound. Follow us on Twitter at guysbeingdude15 on Instagram at mcsound22. MC Sound 22. Sorry, it's a new name. I gotta, I gotta get it down first here. Uh, Alex, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. See ya.